Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. I want to invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in the book of Habakkuk. Say, I have no idea where that is. It's between Nahum and Zephaniah. Not much help, huh? Your favorite friend and your Bible may very well be your table of contents. One of the first pages, you can go there and find exactly where the book of Habakkuk is in the Old Testament. I was working with our third through fifth graders in Awana last week. It just so happened that we were talking about the books of the Old Testament. And so we were working through the history books a few weeks ago, and we talked about the wisdom books, and then we started talking about the prophecy books. And I said, you know, you may be very familiar with a lot of the prophets, uh, the major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, but you may not be as familiar with some of the minor prophets. And they're not minor because they aren't important. They're just minor because their books are shorter in the Bible. And so we were talking through that, and one of the kids said to me, I know one of the books. And I said, are you sure? She said, I do. I I know one of the books. She had her Bible open, and she says, Habakkuk. (laughs) And I said, just wait till Sunday. (laughs) You know, one of the interesting things as we look at the book of Habakkuk is to Consider questions that oftentimes come up not in our culture alone, but also in our own lives. Where we wonder at times, if we're honest with one another, is God at work? And we look around the culture and we see things that transpire and we often wonder, not only is God at work, maybe He's sleeping at the wheel, but if He is at work, is Is he all-powerful like the scriptures say that he is? Because I'm just not seeing it work out that way. Or maybe we look and we say, okay, maybe God is all-powerful and maybe he's just not good. Maybe he's allowing these things to happen and that just speaks to his character and God's not good. You know, as we consider that, there are moments in our lives where circumstances drive us and push us to the point where we're tempted to ask many of those questions. God, are you working? God, are you good? God, are you just? God, why are these things being allowed to happen? God, why don't you intervene in this situation and prevent it from happening or at least alleviate the struggle that many are walking through? God, Why? And what I love about the Scriptures is that God is not offended when those questions are asked. But that in many of the deepest, darkest places that God's people found themselves throughout the Scriptures and began asking those types of questions. If I were God, I would just smite them, right? How are you going to ask me a question like that? 
As my mama used to say, I brought you in this world, I can take you out. But God doesn't do that. In His grace and in His mercy, in His patience and in His long-suffering, God engages with those questions and oftentimes pulls back the curtain for us to see Him and what He's doing. Warren Wiersbe said it this way in relation to the book of Habakkuk. He said, God doesn't owe us an explanation. God doesn't owe us an explanation. But He often gives us a revelation of Himself as we seek after Him. So this morning, as we begin this four-week series through the book of Habakkuk, we are going to examine those types of questions that this prophet of God asks God. We're going to see some of the context surrounding what's going on here and look and begin to See how God is at work even when we can't see His hand at work. And so as we come to the text this morning, let's look beginning in verse 1 of Habakkuk chapter 1. We'll walk through verse 11 this morning. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long? Shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity goes forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men, whose own might is their God. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. That you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 
To give you the context where we are in the life of the Jewish people at this point in time, they had experienced a great revival under King Josiah where God's people had turned back to him. One of the things that you see play out in the Old Testament from the time that God had called Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. We see what we often experience in our own lives, a period of time where we are walking with the Lord and then a period of time where we're not really walking with the Lord. You may have experienced this in your own Christian life, kind of the ups and downs, where there's moments where you look and you go, gosh, I don't know that I've ever been closer to the Lord. And then there's moments where you look and you go, I don't know that I've ever been further from walking with the Lord. And we seem oftentimes to kind of ride those waves of passionate devotion, following after Jesus, and then periods of time where it's almost like the fire has just died down. The passion's just not there where we're just kind of going through the motions in our Christian life and it's just not what it used to be. That's the picture that is painted of God's people throughout the Old Testament where they were walking through seasons where they were following after the Lord. And here's the thing, God had said to them, if you will follow me, if you will walk in obedience to me, I will bless you and I will make you into a great people and through you I will bless the nations around you. And so you would think in that that they would say, well, that's what I want, that's what I desire, I'm going to follow the Lord with my whole heart, I'm going to experience that blessing and in turn I'm going to be a blessing to those that are around me, but interesting thing, they, they often didn't do that. And so we see periods where God says, I'll bless you, and he does. And then we see that his people turn away from him. And instead of worshiping him with their whole hearts, they're oftentimes surrounded by nations where they say, well, we'll just worship the same God that they are worshiping. We'll make idols. We'll turn from the Lord. We will sacrifice our children. We will do all of these things instead of following the Lord. And the Lord says, listen. If you continue walking in disobedience, my discipline will come on you. And so we've seen periods and seasons where that is exactly what has happened. But prior to this time, what we were witnessing was incredible revival with God's people where they were passionate about following Him, where they had a king who said, the main thing that we need to be focused on is walking in obedience to the Lord, following His law, living to honor Him. But then a king followed Him who did not love the Lord, who did not take His responsibility in leading God's people seriously enough to say, we're going to walk in obedience, but actually led them in the complete opposite direction. And that is where verses 2 through 4 find their root in the story. See, Habakkuk most likely was a priest that was serving the Lord, and he was watching. He was looking out among the people, and he was crying out to God because what he was witnessing was not a people of God that were following after him, but what he was witnessing was the exact 
opposite. And heartbroken, Habakkuk had cried out to the Lord. We don't know the period of time, but as you sense the desperation in his words in verses 2 through 4, it must have been quite a while where Habakkuk's crying out to the Lord and saying, God, do you see what's going on? God, are you witnessing what is happening with your people? God, do you even care that injustice is flourishing? Do you even care that bad things are happening? God, are you asleep at the wheel? God, are you at work? God, maybe you're not good. God, maybe you're not just. Habakkuk's cry in verse 2. We're going to begin to see his complaint as he lays it out for the Lord. And as we do that, you may hear these words and cringe a bit inside. But if you have ever found yourself at a place of desperation before the Lord, you very well will likely identify. In fact, you very well may have said some of these same words. Habakkuk in verse 2 says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? The cry of Habakkuk's heart is, God, You are not working. God, you're not at work. How do I know that you're not at work? Because I'm crying out and you're not listening. You ever felt that way? In your walk with the Lord, you ever found yourself at a point where you've been praying for something? You've been asking God for something? You have been pleading with God for an answer or a solution or whatever it may be? You find yourself in that spot and your complaint, your call to the Lord is much like Habakkuk's God. Do you even hear? Are you listening? And I want you to notice it escalates from there because Habakkuk says in the second part of verse 2, or cry to you violence and you will not save. He's looking at God in this moment and he's saying, God, I've been crying out to you for restoration of your people, for revival to break out among your people. And God, I don't think you're listening. But not only that, God, not only are you not listening, I don't think you're working because you are the God who saves. And I'm crying out to you, violence. And you're not Doing what you should be doing. Habakkuk had in his mind in this moment that God was not fulfilling his end of the covenant that he had made with his people. Habakkuk is looking at God in this moment and saying, not only are you not listening to me, but you're not even doing what you're supposed to be doing. Imagine saying that to God, right? You're not even doing. You're not even saving. And that's who you are. It goes on in verse 3. Habakkuk's complaint 
continues. Not only does he say, God, you are not working, but here, he says, God, you are not good. I notice verse 3. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. God, if you were good, there's no way in the world that you could sit idly by and allow this to happen with your people. One of the things that engaging with people and the questions that they have about God's work in the world, this is oftentimes the question that people struggle with the most. Because they look not only at their lives particularly and the struggles that they've endured, the trials and the disappointments and the problems that they have experienced themselves, but they also look at the world around and they realize that this world is a broken place. So how in the world, if God is all-powerful and He is all good, could He allow something like this to happen? That's essentially Habakkuk's complaint. And he says to the Lord, you're making me watch the violence and the injustice take place. How can you be a good God and allow that to happen? You ever found yourself at a place where situations and circumstances have put you in a spot where you really do wonder, is God good? Habakkuk is in that place. Not only is he wondering if God is working, not only is he wondering whether God is good, but if you look at verse 4, Habakkuk continues, and the accusation is that God is not just. Look at verse 4. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Habakkuk looks at the scene around him, and remember, this is God's people. So he looks around and he sees injustice and he doesn't see a response from the Lord. He looks around and he says, nothing is happening. And can you be a just God and not bring judgment when things like what we are witnessing are happening? You know, on the first glance for Habakkuk in this moment... Like, if I'm him, I'm looking up and wondering when the lightning bolt's coming. I mean, what bold complaints for him to levy at God? 
God, you're not working. You're not listening. You're not saving. And that's who you are. God, you are not good. You're allowing these things to take place. And you're making me see them. And you're not stepping in to do anything about it. God, you are not just. Your law is supposed to govern your people. We're supposed to respond to you in light of your law. And your promise in your law is that if we don't walk in obedience, you will exercise discipline. And God, you're not doing it. What do you do when you come to that place? What do you do when you find yourself in the depths of despair like Habakkuk is? I mean, what do you do when, I mean, he's a priest of the Lord and everything that he's known about God, everything that he's told other people about God in this moment he's coming to question that you know isn't it interesting for us when things are going really really well in our lives when we're not facing difficulties when we're not facing difficult circumstances when we're not facing trials that we can look and the platitudes about who God is and what he's doing can easily flow off of our tongue When things are going really well, we're like, of course God is here. Of course God is at work. Of course, that's just the way God is. Look at Him. And yet, when the dark cloud surrounds us, can we say that God is still good? Can we say that God is still at work? Can we say that God is still just? That's the dilemma that Habakkuk finds himself in. And I love this. In those moments, God speaks. He oftentimes doesn't speak right away as we know that Habakkuk in this moment has often been crying out to the Lord for him to intervene and God hasn't done it but never lose sight of the reality that even though we may not see God's hand at work, He is always, always, always working. Notice with me God's response back to Habakkuk beginning in verse 5. If you're taking notes, here's God's answer to Habakkuk's complaint, the first truth, I am working and you will be amazed. Look at verse 5. God's response, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Habakkuk's complaint is, God, you're not working, and God says, oh, I'm working. 
Habakkuk's complaint is you're not even listening, and God says, not only am I listening, but I'm working, and if you knew what I was working on, you would not even believe it because it is so, so good. Now for us, when we find ourselves in the position of Habakkuk, when we're wondering whether or not God is at work, we can take comfort in the reality that He is always working. There's never a moment where God is not at work in this world and in our lives to bring about His perfect will and His perfect plan. So he looks at Habakkuk and he says, oh no, I'm working. I'm working and you will be amazed when you find out the extent to which I'm working. It's about to get interesting. As we continue looking at verses 6 and 7, God briefly pulls back the curtain to give Habakkuk a glimpse of what's coming. That's why these are called prophecy books, because God is unveiling his plans ahead of time to this messenger Habakkuk so that he would be able to proclaim to his people what is coming. So Habakkuk looks, he asks the questions, God says, I'm working and what I'm about to do is greater than anything you could ever imagine. Notice verse 6, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. That bitter and hasty nation whose march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Habakkuk had been praying for revival. Habakkuk had been begging God to show up and to do something. And God says, I am and the instrument that I will use in my hand to bring about what you're asking me to do for the Chaldeans. We're going to see Habakkuk's response next week because he ain't happy. <laughs> There's a reason that he's not happy God's unveiled the curtain enough for Habakkuk to recognize that the Chaldeans, what's known as Babylon, that they are coming in and they will be invading in Judah and they will take the Israelites captive and carry them back to Babylon. And Habakkuk's looking at this and he's saying, God, you are not at work. And God says, no, I'm at work. In fact, I'm at work to the point that I am orchestrating a major military offensive to come in and to shake up my people so that they will recognize if they don't walk in obedience to me that I will bring discipline upon them to draw out from them, hopefully, a heart that is interested in desiring to follow me. Not only is God working, but God says, I am good, and you will see my will accomplished. 
Listen, God's desire for His people, God's desire for us, is that we will walk in relationship with Him. That's God's heartbeat. That's God's desire for us. And as we look, we are witnessing right here God saying to Habakkuk, Say to the people, help them understand that I am bringing this nation in that is going to overtake you and carry you into captivity, but I am doing it for your good and for my glory. I am a good, good God. Not only would this be a pivotal moment in the nation of Israel to draw them back to the Lord, but it would also set the stage for ultimately Jesus Christ coming to this earth. We'll see that a little bit more so as we walk through this book, but I want you to notice this last part in verses 8 through 11, the Lord's response. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth. And take it, then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. Habakkuk's complaint to the Lord is injustice is allowed to flourish among your people and you're doing nothing about it. And God says, I am bringing justice and it will be complete. That's one of the things that we look at in this world in which we live and see injustice continue to flourish and often ask the question, God, do you care? And God, are you going to do anything about that? Habakkuk's question for The people of God is, God, there's injustice. There was a remnant of His people that were following after Him, but there were many who weren't interested in that and were exploiting and using the people who wanted to follow the Lord for their own gain. And God says, that will not go unanswered. Justice will rain down. And the instrument of justice for the people of Israel would be this pagan, godless, proud, haughty nation. Which brings us to a question. When we call out to the Lord, Oftentimes, if we are walking in disobedience to the Lord and our circumstances around us are of our own creating, oftentimes God will use extraordinary means 
to bring us to a point of recognizing Him for who He is. It is oftentimes in the difficult moments of life where we pause and look to the Lord. And so for many of us in our lives, we find ourselves walking through difficulties and what we want is for God to get us out of them. We want Him to eject us from the situation. God, I don't want to endure this. I don't want to walk through this. But oftentimes, God's deliverance for us as His people is not taking us out of those situations, but leaving us in those situations so that we will come to see Him for who He is. So that we will once again be wowed and amazed by the God that we serve. That, for the people of Israel at this point, was God's plan in their lives to bring in this pagan people, to exercise discipline against them, to carry them off into captivity. Why? So that God could show Himself real and amazing and fabulous so that they once again would Look and see Him for who He is. I don't know where you are this morning in your walk with the Lord. You may be here and you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you're wondering this morning as you look around, is God at work in this world? Is God good? Is God just? And for you, those are the barriers to taking that step and trusting Jesus as your Savior. And Can I just encourage you this morning that you are not the first one to ask those questions. You are not the first to ponder that. And this morning you have heard God's response, God's answer to those questions. He is at work. He is good. He is just. There's nothing greater in this moment that you could experience than a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you may find yourself also in Habakkuk's shoes. Circumstances and situations have arisen in your life. There is a dark cloud and you are wondering the answer to those same questions. And you are tempted in this moment to just back off and say, God, I just can't. I just can't. And this morning, God stands with open arms asking you to just come and climb up in His lap. To realize in this moment that He is at work even though you can't see it. That He is good even when you don't feel it. And that He is just even though the full extent of His justice has not come. In your despair, in your questions... God has appointed this opportunity to show you 
who He is. And you can choose this morning to turn, to run from that, or you can run into His open arms. Let's pray this morning. Father, we are so thankful for Your Word. Father, we're thankful that it speaks to real life. That even with this priest turned prophet 2,500 years ago wrestling through questions of whether you were at work and whether you were good and whether you were just. That for him you pulled back the curtain. That you showed him who you are. And what you're doing. May this morning be an opportunity for us. As the curtain has been pulled back to show your justice. Your goodness. The reality that you are at work all around us even when we may not see it. May we this morning rest in who you are what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in the future. Father, I have no doubt this morning that there are those who have never taken the step of trusting in Jesus as their Savior, and they may be asking the questions Habakkuk was asking, and yet this morning the curtain has been pulled back and they've seen you for who you are. Father, would you give them the courage to take the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior? Father, I lift up those in our body today who are experiencing difficult circumstances. Who have a dark cloud over them in this moment, whether it's job related or medically related, family related, whatever's going on. And in this moment, God, they've been praying, they've been crying out to you, and they're wondering if you're listening, if you're working, if you're good, if you're just. Would you help them today to see you for who you are? To climb up into your open arms. To rest. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.